Good morning, LCM. Good morning. Today is Sunday, March 6, 2022. This morning, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go straight to the scripture because right. we want to encourage and exhort our family, the body of Christ here at LCM. Are you ready? Yeah. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to pick up in verse 9. Ooh. Colossians 1, 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you. Another way to say it, since the day we heard about LCM. We have not stopped praying for LCM. We continually ask God to fill LCM with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. As pastors, as elders, we couldn't be more proud of the growth that we see happening here in our family and in this body. Amen. We can see the very prayer that Paul is speaking about in his heart for Colossus. That is the same exact evidence of fulfillment that we see happening in here in this church. But look, this becomes even more evident as the next verses go on to say. Let's pick up in verse 10. And we pray this in order that you, LCM, may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. Bearing fruit in every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you lcm may have great endurance and patience yeah. and joyfully giving thanks to the father who has qualified lcm to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light glory. someone say glory, glory. Hey. in paul's letter to the church at Coloss. He's writing as an apostolic father, giving weighty words of encouragement and direction. You can hear his concern for their well-being, his deep prayer for their growth and understanding, his desire for them to be strengthened and affirmed through an intimate relationship with the Lord. What you can also detect is his great love for them as a friend. Someone say friend. Friend. He genuinely cares about the progress and honors them. He gives them honor as brothers and co-laborers in the kingdom that love him equally as he loves them. It's mutual. But Proverbs 18.24 could very well be said by Paul regarding his friends at Coloss. Proverbs 18.24. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. Yeah. But there's more. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Yes. You know, when I look out on this family, this body, I see the evidence of having friends that stick closer than a brother. I had a brother, have a brother. Yeah, somewhere in between. But oh, my Lord. The level at which you and I have a relationship is so much greater than I have with him. From the day that I stepped into the kingdom, I realized who my family really was. It was those who called out to the Lord out of a pure heart. Yeah. Those who pursued the righteousness of his name. Those that wanted to live a holy and sanctified life. Those were the men and women that I know will lay down their life for their king, and therefore they will lay down their life Come for me. On. In reciprocation, that also brings an inspiration inside of me. That's what I want to do for you. And I long to see this body filled with more and more women of God who meet that same criteria, that yeah. want to lay down yes. their life for their friends, that want to have a relationship that's closer than that of the womb, and have that opportunity to pour out that much more of my life into theirs. Amen. You know, Paul recounts in other epistles experiencing having unreliable friends, false brothers that infiltrate their ranks, seeking to make them slaves under ruin. Experience like this will also reveal faithful and loyal friends that stick closer than a brother, though. Yeah. 
who's with you in the trenches. Men and women who are faithful unto death. Men and women who are immovable in their fidelity towards you and towards the Lord. So we read the passage out of Colossians because this is exactly how we feel about you guys. Our relationship with you is one that loves and cares for you as pastors and as friends. A relationship that displays an undying loyalty of friendship that bloodlines cannot contend with. That boundaries cannot contain. Come on. That difficulties cannot destroy. Our friendship with you is all founded on a love and friendship that we have with Christ. He is the cornerstone of our friendship. The very one who by whom and through whom all things were made and all things hold together, especially friendships. Yeah. We would not only say that uh, together we are friends. friends. I confidently stand and say that we are true friends. True friends. That's the title of our sermon today. As you're turning to Genesis 18, say true friends. Man, doesn't that hold so much more weight than a friend? A true friend. And we're going to unpack that this morning, and you're going to see your friendship with the Father and your friendship with others in this room much, much differently. You guys in Genesis 18? We're going to pick up in verse 15. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. Yeah, you did. Yes, you did. We, like this angelic messenger, boldly confront sin and do not leave any room for equivocation in our own hearts. We do not use ambiguous language to conceal the truth or avoid committing ourselves to God's standard. I want to tell you that there is power in the Peshat. Yeah, there is. Can you say power in the Peshat? Power in the Peshat. Husbands, I want you to put yourself in Abraham's sandals for a moment. Can we do that? An angel of God uh, just announced a supernatural promise to your wife. And then she lies straight to his face. And did that in front of you. Now, how would you feel if this were your wife? Like I got punched in the Right? In the Peshat. Maybe you would be embarrassed. Try to explain that it was just a miscommunication. Or maybe you would just call her out right on the spot. That's right. She did lie. She always does that. No. Oh, are we, we're already getting somewhere. Okay. Or you would just sink into despair and cowardice because you know that she's just imitating your own behavior. Isn't it easy to accuse? Well, if I was in your situation, I wouldn't lie. You always lie about this. Well, deep down, you know, I may have said the same thing, but she said it, so I'm alleviated from responsibility. But the truth <laughs> is, Abraham didn't do any of these things. Thanks. No, he didn't. Let's read verse 16. When the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them he walked along with them to see them on their way then the lord said shall i hide from abraham what i am about to do wow Uh, an ability right there in the moment standing in something that could be embarrassing could be a disqualifier abraham has the chutzpah to get moving. He has the pursuit and the tenacity in saying, yeah, despite what's going on right here and what just happened, I know the true kind of friends that I need at this moment. Yeah. And because of that pursuit, God wants to reveal more of his plan to him. The truth is when a man boldly deals with sin in him and his household, this leads to greater fellowship with our king. Yeah. Abraham did not go off and mourn after this failure in his home, but rather he stood up and began to walk with angels, walk with true friends. Look, verse 17. 
It indicates that the Lord was willing to, uh, was unwilling to hide anything from Abraham. And the chapter goes on to reveal Abraham being debriefed on details of God's plan for judgment and salvation. An even greater revelation that's being given to him. So he, here's the point. Do you want deep spiritual insight? Yes, absolutely. If you want deep spiritual insight, then you must have deep, meaningful reckoning with your own sin. Yeah. Deep reckoning with your own sin. This is the key to being qualified to walk with his angelic presence and understand Adonai's Amen. overall plan. Amen. This is what the men who have true spiritual insight do and what men must cultivate in their daily and personal walk. Amen. Amen. Isn't it clear that Abraham was a man that was chosen by God? Yeah. It's evident. Isn't it true that God revealed his plans to Abraham because he pursued a close relationship with the Lord? Yeah. He wasn't excluded from God's counsel. He was included yeah. because he was a true friend of God. Friend. And his friendship was based on partnership, not performance. His relationship was based on partnership, true friendship with God, and not his personal performance. <laughs> what? A friend we have. I want you to turn to Amos 3 and say true friend because this is just going to keep getting better and better. True friend. true friend. This is Amos picking up, Amos 3 picking up in verse 1. Hear this word, people of Israel. The word the Lord has spoken against you, against the whole family I brought up out of Egypt. You only have I chosen of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your sins. Do two walk together unless they've agreed to do so? When Amos addressed Israel, he seems to indicate that their chosen status brought about an even greater level of accountability for them. Yes, Are you does. seeing that in the text? Yeah. This was the prerequisite for Adonai and Israel to walk together. In other words, if we are to walk closely with the divine, then we must always be aware of the difference between us and him so that his hand can transform us so we can be with him. Yeah, help us, Lord. This process never stops in a believer's life. Yeah. In fact, it only grows as we get closer to him. Yeah. The father desires to have you walk closely with him in agreement. Why? So he can reveal his plan to you. So that you can become like him, knowing who he is and also what he wants. Look at what verse 7 displays in the same chapter. Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without nothing. revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. Woo! Man, this should start giving you hope this morning. Yeah. When there's an honest assessment of your condition and a pursuit of true friendship with God, he will not hide anything from you. He will reveal even more. The result of continually dealing with your sin does not place you further from God. It allows you to walk in his very divine nature. Yeah. He reveals his plans to you. Y'all want to know a secret? This pursuit of true friendship with God, honestly, assessment of your own condition, this is the secret to gaining greater wisdom. You ever been in a place where you're just kind of stuck and you're like, man, I need more discernment. It's a bronze ceiling. It is a, a lead floor and iron walls. I can't hear from God. This is just way too cloudy. This is the secret to getting that discernment. This is the secret to getting that greater revelation. And here's the joy. We get to spend a lifetime of continuing yeah. in this process, a lifetime of getting greater revelation, greater insight of what is still yet to come. You know, David is one of the best examples in the Bible of this kind of relationship with the Lord, right? Yes, he is. You guys want to read Psalm 25? Yeah. Oh, you guys might be familiar with this chapter. We're going to pick up in verse 11. As you're turning there, just shout, true friend. True friend. Psalm 25. Verse 11, for the sake of your name, O Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great, great, great iniquity. You can see how aware David is 
of his own sin. The distance between himself and God. You can see the way David was transparent about it. He called it great iniquity. He refused to downplay the state of his own heart, the state of his own flesh. He called it great iniquity. Listen, men who are close to the Lord can feel the difference between them and their true friend. But that's not where the story ends, though. Let's pick up in verse 12. Who then is the man that fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way chosen for him. It is because of David's awareness and focus on his great iniquity that he could revere the Lord and have confidence that he would receive instruction on the path that was chosen for him. If your days are filled with the absence of the Lord's instruction, then go back to the foundation of how you are to obtain it. Through the fear of the Lord, the beginning of wisdom and knowledge, rightly seeing the distance between you and him, and confident that he desires to be in close friendship with you. We can't lose that in the back of our mind and in the depths of our soul. That when we bring our great iniquity to the Lord, he desires for us to be close. But there's only way, one way for that to happen. We have to bring our great iniquity before him so that he can forgive us. And then in turn, give us revelation so we know the way that is chosen for us. Amen. When this is how we walk alongside the Lord, like one who walks with a friend, let's look at what verse 13 says it will look like. He will spend his days in prosperity, and his descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides. Everybody say confides. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. So look, what we're experiencing here is a record of David continually dealing with his own sin. Continuing to walk with the Lord in the midst of fatherly instruction. And so in verse 14, it says the Lord confides in David. The Hebrew word used for confide in this passage, sowed. Exactly, sowed. Meaning secrets or what is hidden. It is the Lord's desire to want to confide and reveal the secrets of his thoughts and his hearts to his people. True friends. True friends Share their secrets with each other. Yeah. What is hidden in your heart from mild acquaintances is revealed to those you walk in true friendship with. There's such a deep level of trust that's mutual, that's both ways. Friendship is founded on this trust. Trusting that they have your best interests in mind. Trusting that they will give you precious counsel from God's word. They will help you return to a state of shalom with God and men. Yeah. Haven't you guys been experiencing that? Yeah. Where you have this true friendship and it's at a greater level than never before. And they are the very ones that God reveals his secrets through that helps put you back in right order. Amen. One testimony that I heard here recently about our team unity meetings was from Ray Pena. Ray, uh, Ray is transparent. Yeah. He's honest. He's real. He can't hide anything. No, he doesn't want to. Ray was telling me in a very honest and transparent manner. He said, you know, pastor, since we started doing these team unity meetings, I realized that I really haven't had real friendships in this church. That in the past, I would come and we would say hi. We would fellowship. We would talk about scripture. We would go to events. But now, since doing our team unity meetings, I realize how shallow and hollow that previous understanding was. And now I have true friends that I can confide in. They confide in me. That is huge progress. I'm watching Ray's confidence soar, his discernment sharpen to a razor's edge. That left and right, he is slaying insecurity and fear. And he's inspiring confidence in every team member that he has. That's right. This is the secret to gaining revelation in the kingdom. To be able to be open and transparent with true friends who have your best interest in mind, and you have theirs. This is the pattern that must continue and be built upon for greater volume of revelation that you guys are still gaining. Mm -hmm. Do you see the progress in our lives? We're even growing in our friendships. And what is happening alongside of that? 
the Lord is revealing greater revelation that we haven't had in years past. You know, my greatest moments of revelation, they've actually come from my greatest moments of repentance. My greatest moments of a revelation of my own great iniquity and being able to bring it to the Lord and asking him for help. I want to share a testimony that many of you know, but I don't have an opportunity to express my gratitude and how much it was a pivotal moment in my life. When I came to LCM, I was hungering for the Lord. I was hungering for righteousness and began repenting of my own dead works. My life was so prideful and selfish. It was self-centered based on what I can do and provide for myself. The Lord, in his kindness, began to change my heart and drew me to this place, to LCM. And I found myself in the living room of a pastor named Matthew Pirro. <laughs> and I was in my weakest moment. And he was a true friend to me. In my opinion at the time, I was not being a true friend to him. I just wanted what he had and constantly was at his home in his truck everywhere that he went asking him, teach me about worship, teach me about the word. How do I even be a husband to my wife? They even did our marriage counseling, the marriage enrichment. I, I was crying out for help, not willfully giving of my own uh, resources, my, my own affection. But Pastor Matt poured that affection onto me. He gave me that revelation. And it created a desire. I don't even have anything to bring to you. I, let me help in any way possible. But there's another side of the story that's actually been brought about as of last year. That I didn't understand what the Lord was doing while I was repenting. I was restoring my friendship with the Father, my true friend. But because he is a true friend, he drew me to a pastor who was being a true friend to me. And my life has been the better for it in every, every single way. Look, not Peyton's life alone has been better for it. Mine has been rescued by it. That time period when... Peyton started to pursue. I was dry. I was weary. I was uh, struggling with despair, and I have nothing to offer anyone. Peyton comes along and begins to walk out what we see in the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be fed. Peyton's hunger and thirst for what he saw within this church, what he saw within me, it opened up the storehouses of heaven that I realized I just was looking for it to be open for me alone, but it was opened for him. God began to pour through. I began to gain greater revelation of the future of this ministry, the future of this man of God's call. I began to see with greater clarity how discipleship needs to be imparted into men and women of God. God was growing me up in the entire process. And I realized that he needed the same kind of true friend that God had already surrounded me with, with other brothers. And to deny him that transparency and that honesty of where I was, was to deny him the true friendship that would give him greater revelation. And as a return, this brother among many others have been carrying me ever since. They've been providing strength and comfort and zeal and passion and a renewal for God's call on my life and on this church. I long to see many, many, many more women, men and women that fulfill this exact same process, experience that same true friendship. It'll save your life just like it saved mine. Yeah. That's right. The amazing... It got me good. <laughs> yes. Woo. I don't even know where we're at now. <laughs> uh, oh. Yeah, the, the amazing. We're going to go to Daniel 9. You can go ahead and turn to Daniel 9, verse 20. There you go. <laughs> you know, the, the mark of a true friend is you can tell a story. And for you, it might seem like very, very uh, moving details. But for me, I'm filled with so many emotions. And the thing about a good friend is um, I'm not much of a crier, but there's something about a true friend 
who stands with you in your darkest days yeah. and is also beside you on your best days. Yeah. And you do that over years. I don't even need to tell the story to be moved by the friend that I have in Matthew P. Rowe. You need to you both. Yes. <laughs> Are you guys in Daniel 9? Yes. All right. Verse 20. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill. You know, none of us are aware of any way that Daniel sinned, but apparently Daniel was aware. And he was he took responsibility for his own sin and the sins of his people. His confession wasn't just about him, nor was it just about them. It was actually focused on who they were together as one people and what their destination was. Yeah. God's holy hill. The friendship that is forged from the heavens is one that takes ownership of others' lives. Yeah. The lives of the ones around him. This kind of friendship that you want in a foxhole. This is the friend that you want in a foxhole during a firefight. One that does declare, I am my brother's keeper. And through thick and thin, we are going to be side by side, whether we live or we die. And if necessary, maybe even both. But let's pick up in verse 21. Look, before we do, everybody with a victorious shout, say, I am my brother's keeper. I am my brother's keeper. That's being a true friend. Yeah. Verse 21, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Because Daniel was a friend to God, and God was a friend to Daniel, as soon as Daniel began to pray, as soon as he began to confess his sin and the sin of his people, he was heard by the Lord, and the Lord responded by sending Gabriel, yeah. an angelic uh, authority, to give greater revelation to Daniel about what was yet to come. Wow. In addition to giving that greater revelation, he also gives a, a wording of affirmation. He says that he is highly esteemed. He's highly loved by God. Yeah. Because he revealed the secrets of his heart to God, God then revealed the secrets of his plan to Daniel. Yeah. Daniel was loved by God. And he showed him his plan for both Daniel and his people, Israel. Man, that's if that's not water to your soul, wait, there's more. The father even showed Daniel the course of all human history. Yeah. It went well beyond just the petitions that he was bringing up to the Lord. So look, consider the track record of Daniel. He refused to defile himself with Nebuchadnezzar's food. Yeah. Because he was a true friend of God. Yeah. He endured ridicule and false accusation from the pansy prophets around him. And he did it with joy because he was a true friend of God. He faced lions and was untouched by them because he was a true friend of God. His testimony of faith has been remembered from generation to generation. And it strengthens us to this very day. Why? Because he was a true friend of God. So whether it be Abraham, Amos, David, or Daniel, each of these men displayed a true friendship with God. What is also true is that each of these men faced opposition from false friends who possessed friendship killer traits. Say friendship killer. Friendship killer. Let's turn to James 3, and we're going to pick up in verse 13, and we're going to talk about some friendship killers, and we're going to put them to death today. Yeah. You guys want to do that? True friend. Verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life. By deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Man, what a good question though. Who? Who is wise and understanding? If you claim to be wise, then it will be evident in your life and your actions. Yes. 
These deeds will also be done in humility, or said another way, in meekness. Can you say meekness? When you are a friend of God and you operate under the wisdom he gives you, your meek attitude will be evident to everyone who observes your life, anyone that you walk with. Now, when we speak of meekness, we do not mean cowardly passivity, as most people want to define it. But what we're talking about is a meekness that comes from being a true friend of God and trusting him so you are not taken captive by anxious self-promotion. Listen to verse 14. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it. Don't do it. Or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. Church, we want to be in true friendship with the Father and in true friendship with each other. Would a true friend, would he honestly harbor a grudge or offense towards his companion? No. That's a friendship killer. This is from the pits of hell, and it must be put to death today. Where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. It is a discovery. There are things on the surface that give evidence to a much deeper issue, and it's deceptive. There is always more under the surface of our sinful nature. Yeah. The sifting of our souls is not a one-and-done event. Yeah. It is a continual process, constantly bringing our great iniquity before the Lord, and that should be what we are willing and wanting to do if we really want heavenly wisdom, yeah. if we want greater levels of revelation that comes from a true friendship with yeah. Him. Here's the point, though. Neglecting the opportunity to partner with God, rejecting a fruitful, true friendship with him, will always lead to casting off restraint. And it leaves you blind, confused, and without help whenever you fall into the pits of despair. As you are pondering the areas of your life right now that you are neglecting friendship with the Father, I'm going to read the same verse, but this time in the Amplified. For wherever there is jealousy or envy and contention, rivalry, and selfish ambition, there will also be confusion. You could say fogginess, unrest, disharmony, rebellion, and all sorts of evil and vile practices. Envy. Jealousy and contention displayed in rivalry and selfish ambition are the surface indicators of your inner confusion, disharmony, and disorder. Plainly said, it's evident that you are out of shalom. This is seen when your own heart is bitter with envy, when your brothers succeed in sharing insights into the word, resulting in contentious reactions through your efforts to prove that your insight was more meaningful than theirs. Selfish ambition that looks for a fault in your friend so that you can feel superior and no longer feel inferior. This is anxious self-promotion. Look, the most telling fruit of these earthly, unspiritual, and demonic friendship killers is the confusion that follows. So this is what it looks like. You don't know why your discernment is so off. It must be someone else's sin in the camp that is clouding your vision, right? Very cowardly. When you pray, you're actually in a state of unrest. You can tell that you're out of harmony with God's thoughts, and you're just not aware of the source of the problem that's going on. So your vision is blurred. Your mind is foggy. Not because of a lack of friendship shown to you. It's because of the lack of friendship that you've shown to God. You've not been humble, loyal, and faithful to your true friend, God Almighty. Yeah. Y'all want to hear about what this looks like in me? This past week, the Lord revealed 
these very same items inside of my own heart. I was excited to get back home, see my wife, see my girls, meet with the family of God, and catch up with our team. What was also present was a cloud of confusion and contention with my bride. No. Yeah, it's true. I wanted to solve every problem that I, that I had left unpastored in my absence, and I wanted to solve it with a quick and decisive force. We're going to take care of this here. We're going to take care of it now. It is to never rise again. Yes. Well, when that didn't work, <laughs> then I just decided to pull away and expect the problems to go off and solve themselves. This isn't true friendship. It's not true friendship with my bride, and it's definitely not true friendship with God. This is actually selfish ambition. I just wanted to get to what I wanted to do and let nothing else encumber my efforts to obtain it. No wonder I lacked discernment in leaving my wife. No wonder I couldn't hear from the heavens about what's to come next. The problem wasn't with my relationship with her. It was my own failure in being a true friend of God. I am so thankful for true friendship. Yeah, me too. I'm so thankful for the true friendship of my king. I'm so thankful for the true friendship of the body of Christ in this room. And if you're listening, baby, I'm thankful for the true friendship that you always give Ooh. to me. <laughs> it displays a loyalty and a love, and it brings me back into right order with God and man. And the cloud is gone, and yeah. revelation is dropping. Yeah, many of you identify with the things that the Piro house is wrestling with. If this is you, say, I, I, the solution to this state you're in is actually simple. You turn your face to the Father. You pray, confessing your great iniquity. Repent of your own evil and vile practices that are killing your friendship with God and man. It is then that your heavenly Father will purify your heart and mind, giving you insight into what you could not see before, cutting through the fog of confusion and crushing, crushing your contention with him. At that moment, he will rush in and he will give you insight and understanding, knowing how to rightly lead your family, how to rightly lead your wife and walk in unity with your brothers and sisters. Petty preferences are no longer a priority in this house. Being right with God and man is the only priority, no matter how high the cost. Oh, today's a good day, saints. It's a good day. Today is a day you can begin to see yourself rightly. And be restored to a greater level of true yeah. friendship with God. Yeah. Receiving from him wisdom that, that displays humility and is seen through your very deeds. Wisdom that looks like James 3 verse 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Then peace loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit. Impartial and sincere. This is the fruit of friendship with God. Yeah. We boldly bring our great iniquity before the Lord, and he pours out revelation from heaven. This is what happened to Abraham. This is what happened to Amos. This is what happened to David. This is what happened to Daniel. And it's what's going to happen for you today when you come before the Lord, your friend, willfully transparent before him, showing him your great iniquity. Now, are these not some of the best descriptors of a true friend? It is. As a co-labor and friend who fears God, he is one who is pure. A true friend is pure. A true friend is peace-loving. A true friend is considerate. A true friend is submissive. A true friend is full of mercy. A true friend is full of good fruit. A true friend is impartial. And a true friend is sincere. Let me ask you, do you have a friend like that? Yes. You certainly do in the God of Israel. You certainly do in this room. Yeah. Now you have to ask yourself, are you that kind of friend to others? Are you that kind of friend to the Lord? Let's put it on a little better footing. Men in the room, are you this to your wife? 
Are you pure? Are you peace-loving? Man, are you full of good fruit? Are you considerate? Man, are you sincere? I want to share a testimony with you about things that the Lord is uncovering in my heart this week. I was not realizing how much wisdom and vision I was lacking for my wife, my beautiful bride. And I had let the responsibility of cultivating her heart be minimized to only a few areas of her life. I had grown weak over time by not wanting to address certain areas. And instead of changing it to the standard of the word, we learned to manage it and just live our lives around those areas. I wasn't even aware that I had drifted so far. But when I went to my true friend, when I went to the heavenly king, he showed me things that I did not know about myself and about my life. Man, and I got on my face, and I restored my friendship with him. Amen. And he said, I will not leave my friend like this. You go, and I'm going to help you restore your friendship with your wife. Amen. Man, I tell Hannah all the time that she is my truest friend. Man, she is my closest confidant, the one who I share all my secrets with. But I need help from the heavenly friend, from the true friend who knows everything about me and is able to bring it to my attention so I can in turn say, yes, this is my great iniquity. And every time he showers me with revelation from heaven. Amen. Man, I, I want to know the Lord more and more. Amen. I got to ask you, are you open enough with the Lord, the true friend of heaven, that he knows you by name? You may know his name, but does he know you by name? Are you transparent with the members of the body of Christ here at LCM to the extent that they understand your weak condition and to the extent that they actually know how to help you? To be in the body of Christ and conceal your dark secrets and the true state of shalom in your heart is a friendship killer. And it is a servant just trying to get by without being noticed mentality. But we're growing in our friendship in this house. We're growing in... That we're going to fix it. We're growing in our friendship with God and we're crying out for greater revelation into the actual state of our heart so we can experience true friendship with him, <laughs> with the king of kings. Now listen to how the greatest friend of all time, the true friend, addressed his disciples in John 15. Help us, Everybody turn to John 15. Say true friend as you turn. True friend. We're going to pick up in verse 15. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Yeah. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Look, believers in the room, you may have entered the kingdom just wanting to be a servant in the house of God. That is sad. That's low, low, low Ooh. bar living. Truthfully, that would be an easier road, but it also would be a less fulfilling one. Yeah. Don't do much, you won't achieve much. The servant wants to be rewarded for a job. The servant expects severe punishment for his negligence and laziness. The servant just wants to check a task off of a list so that they can get on to what they really want to do. The lines are very clear for the servant. And most Christians, most believers live that exact same way. It's a duty, not a true friendship. But you know what? You're called to be a true friend of the Messiah. Amen. Your love must go beyond duty, beyond the fear of punishment. If you want to do this, you must deal with your sin honestly because it's a matter of true friendship with your king. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's good. You are called to walk with him in passionate pursuit and becoming like him because he is your true friend. Yeah. Yeah. And then he will share his Secrets, his insights with you. Yeah. Be yes. Because you are his true, true friend, friend and he wants to reveal these things to you. You know, he desires this friendship with you, this true friendship. 
And the best life you could have is to respond. The best thing you can do is respond to that invitation to partnership. The Lord confides in those who respond to the call to be his friend. Amen. This is the only way for you to receive greater revelation and insight into God's plan for your life and for the people around you. He gives you revelation from the heavens, oftentimes for your own life and oftentimes for your closest true friends around you. Is this not what happened to the elder and friend of Jesus named John? Yeah. You guys want to look at Revelation 1? Yeah, we do. This is Revelation 1, picking up in verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what's, what must soon take place. He made, known, made it known by sending his angel to a servant, John. This sounds similar to what happened to Abraham, Amos, David, and Daniel. Men that humbly acknowledged their state before God, drew near to him through repentance and received greater revelation from angels. Men that were loved by God. True friends of God. Yeah. Anyone who seriously studies the life of John will see that John is called the beloved or friend of God as well. Yeah. John has no trouble announcing himself as a servant in the book of Revelation nope. because he was so assured in his true friendship with Jesus. He had security. People that enjoy a friendship with God don't desire for anyone to see them as anything other than a servant. They are, are, are so secure in their true friendship with God that there's no need to try to elevate themselves in the eyes of man to compensate for their lack of friendship, anxious self-promotion. So that, this is an important point. John had no problem calling himself a servant because he knew that title or any other didn't displace his true friendship with God. Yes. There was no need to promote self with pride and inflation. Well, what, what happens in our hearts sometimes is whenever someone doesn't give us the proper recognition that makes us feel better about ourselves, we then have to step out and inflate it a little bit more. But what we're working towards and what we also have is a true friendship with God, a true friendship that is secure. And no matter how much it's challenged, we know the authenticity in which it resides inside of us. I mean, imagine. Imagine that I come and bring Peyton coffee. I then go and wash his car. You know what I'm not concerned about? What everybody else thinks about our friendship. I'm not concerned if they call me a slave. I'm not concerned if they call me his servant. I'm not concerned if they say that he's my boss I'll say yes to it all because what I know that's true that they don't is that Peyton is my true friend. Yeah, amen. You know, it works both ways in a true friendship. I have no problem spending hours under a truck just to hold a flashlight <laughs> because Pastor Matt is a true friend, both to me and me to him. I don't mind bringing him medicine when he's sick, food when he's sick, bringing him a word when he's discouraged. Why? Uh, he's my true friend. And you can say, oh, you know, he's just serving him. He's a servant. He's a lackey. He's a nobody. So be it. You can call me whatever you want. It doesn't change anything between <laughs> what's happening between us. Amen. Let the world ridicule us for our servitude with each other. They can call us doormats, but at least I know I'm going to be the first doormat that he steps on. You're always welcome. Always welcome. You know, that, that's another thing. When, you know you have a true friend. When you know you are always welcome. I, I haven't knocked on my friend's doors in a long time. We just kind of know we're welcomed. That's not normal. That's not normal in any society. But in the kingdom, when you are growing in true friendship, it's always an open door policy. And even more than that, it's an open heart policy. It is. You always have access to a true friend's heart. And they are always willing to share the state of shalom. You know, when a man continually deals with his sin and continues to walk with Messiah, allowing Messiah to transform him, then true friendship grows. When friendship grows, then so does revelation. Amen. Some of you are only a few years into your friendship with Jesus. If your friendship grows, trust me, so will your volume of revelation. Yeah. Man, that's a secret. You know what should start happening right now in your heart and your mind? 
you should start be filled, being filled with hope. Yeah. There should be an overflowing joy. A joy that sees the truth that your true friend Jesus the Messiah has paid the highest price of his own blood to have you as his true friend. He longs to open up the storehouses of heaven and give wisdom to you, inviting you into the secrets of his heart. So let's do this. Let's all stand to our feet. Let's put Proverbs 18 verse 24 on the screen. Now, look, I know as, as you're listening to the message, there are some very clear indicators of how you haven't been a true friend to God. I want to give you some additional insight of what exactly we're aiming at. What is going to fix this? What is going to fix this is an honest assessment about your true condition, but the most important part is an expectation. An expectation that as a true friend, he is going to give you more revelation. Like we said earlier in the message, Abraham did not fall on the ground and roll around in the dirt mourning about what just happened. He stood up and began to walk with heavenly counsel. God was revealing his plans. So when we get to the point where we are praying and you come down to the altar, it must include the hopeful and joyful expectation that your true friend is going to open up wisdom and understanding for you. Proverbs 18, 24. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. That's not us. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Let your hope, let your joy rise this morning in our ability to find true friendship in God and true friendship with each other. A familial bond that cannot be broken and that remains until the end of time. Let's begin to pray. Father of heaven and earth, Lord, we thank you for your work in our hearts and our minds. Lord, leading us to draw closer to you with honesty and transparency but most importantly with the hope that you are giving us greater insight. We thank you for helping our hearts become humble, and we also thank you for helping our hearts become courageous and victorious. In the name of Jesus, amen.